What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damian Abraham, and once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved with punk, but had the life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, from the Murlocs and from King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, Ambrose Kenny Smith joins me, and this is a fun one. We talk about Australian music history, Melbourne music history, the rich musical history that he is a direct uh, descendant of, and, and, and a part of too now, of course, but more on that in a second. First, if you'd like to get in touch with me, head over to the email address, turn at a punk podcast at gmail.com. That is run by my brother and show producer and guest booker extraordinaire, Tristan Abraham, and he will get the message to me. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at left for Damien. If you want to support the show, the best way to support the show is just by telling all your friends about it, letting everyone know that you know that you enjoy the podcast that we do here twice a week now. Well, actually, this week is going to probably be three times a week, but let them know that we do this podcast. You can also support the show by heading over to the place you get it from and rating it and reviewing it. Thank you. Thank you to everyone that does do that on iTunes and the like and rating it and subscribing it and to it. And thank you. To everyone that does do that. And speaking of support, thank you, thank you to everyone that goes over to patreon.com slash turned out a punk and checks out and supports the show over there on that thing. I just posted a video version of an upcoming episode. Footnotes is over there. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of fun stuff there. So thank you. Thank you to everyone that keeps the show going that way. And speaking of support, this show would not be possible without the kind, loving support of the fine folks at Vans who came aboard a few years ago and said, Damien, we like what you do, just just don't do it in your own pocket anymore. And they helped me cover the cost of doing this thing, and it is very much appreciated because that's really what helps keep the lights on around here. Um, and uh, who would have thought there are costs associated with doing a free podcast? You know, I'm 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 still shocked. I say it every week, but I'm 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 still shocked about this thing. Uh, speaking about being shocked, fucked up is going back on the road come September. We are heading out on the road with a little band called Faith No More for a few dates in the American Midwest. And then in January, we are going to be doing the David Comes to Life tour uh, across, well, not across, but parts of the United States, parts of Canada, uh, parts of uh, uh, England, parts of Europe. More dates are going to be announced, but we are going to be going out on the road and playing some tunes. So come and come and see me live. We can, we can chat it'd be like turn out a punk in person but you know uh a lot less uh recorded well i guess well you can record on your phone uh but that, that that's it all right on to today's show today on the show ambrose kenny smith from the amazing murlocs and the amazing king gizzard and the lizard wizard now uh, i'm a fan of both those bands but sitting down with ambrose 
boy, was I schooled. You know, I, I, you know, and I've talked to friends from Melbourne since, and they are shocked that I did not remember Carson because, oh my gosh, Carson are a hard rock blues rock band that is incredibly important to the development of Australian punk rock. And that's, that's Ambrose family right there. <laughs> They're right there, this band. Anyway, we talk about all that. We talk about kind of, um, what gave birth to, uh, King Gizzard. And we talk about, uh, a lot more fun stuff. This is a cool conversation. Anyway, I'm not going to ramble on anymore. Remember to check out uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard put out like ha- like literally, I think maybe a dozen different live records this year, but they do have a brand new LP, LW, which is available now on Flightless. And the Murlocs, Ambrose's other band, have a brand new LP, Bittersweet Demons, which you can get on ATO Records. This guy is busy, does a lot of music. All right, I'm not going to ramble on anymore. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Ambrose Kenny Smith on Turned Out a Punk. Ambrose, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, man. Well, as I was just telling you off air, I'm a I'm a huge fan of the band, but I'm also just like kind of a nerd for not just Australian music, but Melbourne music in particular, because I think there's such a... I don't know from from an outsider's perspective, like such an underappreciated, rich musical history in that city, and that you guys are obviously a part of. So, get ready to get nerdy, my friend. Yeah. yeah okay. Cool. <laughs> well, I got to start this off though the way they all start off, which is Ambrose. How did you get into punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across the genre? Um. Cool. Uh, pr- pretty young, probably from skate videos. I'm like a a skateboarder at heart um i'm actually was every i was just watching like skate videos on thrasher on youtube which i do like every day <laughs> um i was yeah i was just a big skate nerd growing up as a kid so you know like skate videos such as like baker 2g and all that sort of stuff introduced me to like you know ramones and and sex pistols and all that stuff at a real young age like um you know, I remember when I was like 10, I had like this long sleeve, like God Save the Queen sex pistol shirt that I wore religiously. I used to dye my hair like, uh, you know, like black um, all, the, all the time. So, yeah, and everything was black and it was just, yeah, it was just super obsessed with all of it pretty much. Yeah. And where did you kind of get into skateboarding from? Like, where did you remember first seeing that? Uh, probably my... Um, my brother, my like half brother, um, when I was young, I remember seeing him, him and his friends skate in the street, and I was just like, "Whoa, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen." I was just so into it. Um, so yeah, from a young age, I remember like getting my first board, like a uh, fishtail, like yeah, supermarket like board, <laughs> some weird piece of shit. And when I was like six or something, and then um, yeah, by the time I was like ten, I got I got sponsored by like a skate shop, and then um, by the time I was like twelve, I was had like was sponsored by like Volcom and Foundation Skateboards and America's Shoes and the whole sort of shebang. So from when I was like yeah, from like 10, 11, 12 up until you know eighteen or something, I was real diehard in it. And then even up until I was like twenty five, you know, I still skate here and there, but sort of once I finished high school, I was playing a lot more gigs and doing more of the band thing than, than skating. But um, yeah, they both came hand in hand, you know, it's a similar culture, similar 
stuff, you know, similar shit you get up to, bad stuff, <laughs> fun well, stuff. Know, well, it's funny because anyone that's come on this show that does anything at like a super high level, be it like professional wrestlers that have been on or or baseball players, yeah. things like that. There comes a point where you have to kind of make that decision. Like, is it going to be music or is it going to be this other thing? Because it requires so much focus mm. to do stuff at, at such a high level like that. Mm. Did you find that with skateboarding? Yeah, for all? sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think being young, like when I was like 12, I went on a, um, I showed her like the whole American, like international Volcom team around Melbourne. And, um, that was full on, you know, like I was just 12 years old and I was showing all these dudes spots and like, you know, they were like yelling at each other, yelling at me to like jump down big rails and do all this stuff. Um, yeah, I remember like knocking myself out and like stuff like that. And just like, yeah, it was just so intense. And I just remember being like, holy hell, I don't know if I can keep <laughs> pushing my body and my mental state, you know, down this, this rabbit hole because it's just you know, it's a, it's a bit of a dead end job being a professional skateboarder, depending on how you play cards. Right. You know, and um, all the time, it's just like, it's sort of that mentality of going fast and like, not really thinking about the end of it, um, which is so exciting and so fun to be a part of. So I think it was just all those elements was super drawn to and, and going to skate parks and just hanging out with older dudes. It was just like, you know, I never really hung out with anyone my own age that much, you know, ever. So it was just always like corrupted at an early age, um, which, you know, I have no regrets. Over. I was showing a whole different way of life, you know, from the beginning. It's funny because you mentioned that, you know, the idea that this is kind of a dead end job, you know, being a professional skateboarder. And like it is kind of one of those jobs that you can't really do in your, you know, sixties or, you know, unless you're like Tony yeah. Hawk and how many people are going to be Tony Hawk, right? Like for the most yeah, part, yeah, exactly. you know, it's not built to, to go into your old age. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. So it's all about playing your cards, right. But I think all of that is just, you know, I have a lot of friends now that were some of the highest paid skateboarders in the world. And now they're just trade, you know, tradesmen, just like the building houses and stuff and doing whatever else. But, um, you know, everyone can, have their moment in the sun and fall from grace but it, it's just such a amazing feeling you know like trying and landing and tricky being focusing on for hours or whatever it's just the same it's the same adrenaline rush i get when I, you know play a big show or whatever you know it's that same just like yeah endorphins and everything just kicking in so were you playing music kind of at the same time you're skateboarding with like uh sam bro's automobile and stuff yeah, you're correct. Yeah. So when I was like, yeah, when I moved schools in like grade five here, so I'm like, what, I'm like 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like 10, 11. I started playing. I was just playing because I was doing music when I was younger, like when I was like even eight and stuff, I was like busking and playing harmonica. And I put out like a funny little like a seven track like EP thing when I was real little, like because my dad's a muso. So it was always like easy to kind of like you know do all that stuff or like be thrown into that world um but yeah I think you know then I was pretty embarrassed by that and I was just so drawn to skateboarding and you know that whole thing which is is, it's you know it's got a bit of a macho boys club vibe to it so you know all the time you're like oh you're kind of just trying to play your part but um I think yeah once I met my good friend Sam Cooper in school we just um 
he he really encouraged me to keep playing music with with him. You know, he was just playing guitar, and I'd just play harmonica with him, and would muck around and play some gigs here and busk and do whatever. But skateboarding was always just my first thing. You know, I always wanted to just be a pro skater and um, yeah, just be involved in that lifestyle because it was just so fun. It was just you know not knowing what was around the corner, like every weekend, you know, I could be in Melbourne or I could be in another state like 10 hours away. Um, so yeah, I was just super drawn to that. And I think, yeah, just as I got older into my teenage years and stuff, you know, I feel like you kind of just, the reality is you sort of, if you don't turn pro by the time you're like 18 or whatever, people who have the term like man am, when you sort of like turn, you know, you start becoming a man, but you're still an amateur skater and it's not looking like it's going to really happen, um, which happens all the time. So, yeah, I think I just sort of started to realise that like, yeah, I knew I couldn't really ever, I was never going to reach those goals. You know, it was something that was just so, yeah, it's, it's hardcore stuff, you know. So, um, yeah. What kind of music was associated with that scene back then? Um, from the bands, I mean, like was Friends know, of Rom or, or, or those types of bands, or oh, no, I've never been that huge on Friends of Rom to be honest. I don't know, I was just more like if it's on like Australian punk, it'd probably be like God and stuff, and like, yep. um, even like I don't know, scientists and like oh, more later on, like Eddie Current, Suppression Ring, and stuff like that. But like, you know, when I was growing up in that time, um, yeah, probably even like Saints, like you know, it would always be just blaring like the Saints out ghetto blaster and we like jump downstairs and stuff and like um yeah it'd just be all that kind of stuff like from Ramones and all that shit then back to like in Radio Birdman or like I don't know it was kind of just always spread out because it's just yeah it's, it's it's all kind of sick music to just get you going mental enough to be like all right I'm just gonna throw my carcass down this like <laughs> couple flights of stairs and see what happens I think that's better taste than most skateboarding scenes have though. Like the saints and radio Birdman is, is a lot better than a lot of the stuff that's being listened to at skate parks that I've been to. Oh yeah. These days skate videos have terrible music in them. It's like everyone's just lost their taste and flair and no one has much of an edge anymore. It's all the, all the rawness and you know, all the excitement out of it is just being drained out. You know, it's, it's in the Olympics now for God's sake. Well, that's the thing. It's becoming more and more of a sport. Like it's kind of getting pulled further and further from the sort of culture that you're talking about and becoming more and more broadened. Yeah. Jock culture. Yeah. Like it's always had that sort of jockey mentality, I guess, but it's, it's just the nature of pushing yourself mentally to like go beyond what you, you know, you never thought your body or mind was capable of doing. And, you know, I hate sports, a lot of them. So, like, I just never figured it as a sport. It's just an art form. It's just a way of expression, you know, like, you sort of, it was way more badass back then, you know, like, it was way more rock star and just, like, as corny as it is, it was, you know, some pro skate friends that are way more rock star than any fucking rock star I've ever met, you know. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They're like, yeah, they really just, live the life um you know and go for it and i think it's just really admirable well it was and it wasn't like you know an outlaw culture like you know a lot of outlaw mm. cultures are but it was an outlaw culture like you weren't supposed to be skating when people were skating like 
you were getting in yeah, trouble, yeah. you're getting tickets, you're getting chased around by cops. Like it was standing in opposition to authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like I have a, even to this day, like we played a show the other weekend, I almost got into a fight with the security guard because I still have that like and immediate, just like frustration with security and like, <laughs> you know, authority and people just being basic assholes. So that's how Mike Vallely became a folk hero. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's why Mike Vallely singing Black Flag or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So I think it's just it's in it's in all of us. If you're a skater, you kind of just have this like uh, this bit of a fuck you to the system mentality. Or <laughs> I think you always have it. You mentioned growing. You mentioned your dad being involved in music and stuff. So I guess you grew up in like a pretty music heavy household. Yeah, yeah, super. Um, pretty like my mom's not musical. Um, my sister's not that musical. Well, she has been now. She started picking up the bass later in life. I got her a bass guitar for her thirtieth, and she started playing in a friend's friend's all girl band. That's awesome. cool. But like, um, yeah, I think it's just from a young age. I was just my dad was a muso, so I was just super drawn to her. He didn't really like shove it down our throats as such, but like my sister's first word was Bo Diddley, so <laughs> it, it was it definitely. Was it was there so yeah and every night i would fall asleep to like muddy waters and sunny terry and jimmy reed and john lee hooker and little walter and all these dudes so that was literally just my religion like every night i would just fall asleep to this blues music and um blues brothers was like the best thing i'd ever seen and so i was just super obsessed with all that stuff from a young age was that sort of the first music you were exposed to kind of rhythm and blues and blues stuff yeah, it's the first stuff. Like my dad loves that stuff. You know, he's a like me singer and harmonica player mainly and stuff. So like it was just naturally what I was just I was just drawn to. Um, yeah, it's just something that's just always just resonated, connected with me straight like straight away, and um, still does. Like I just can't ever get over it. I just you know I don't. And then all that stuff, you know, then it stemmed like from there, then rock and roll, and then punk and all that stuff. Like sort of just went around in a circle but kept always keep going back to blues and soul music and stuff and um but yeah it's it's all sort of just in amongst itself i guess it it, it depends it depends on what the, the vibe is or what the background is but yeah it, it also like I, I have a lot of soft spots for songs that you know i probably shouldn't be have them for but it's probably it's because it was a song to escape part or something that i grew up watching on repeat you know yeah yeah I, it also amazes me every time I go to Australia just how, you know, like at the surface, sort of the musical history is. Like a lot of places, like you know, I'm, I'm Canada. You got to search for to find out about all our classic punk bands. But you know, we come back from playing a show at night, turn on TV, and then they're playing like the Colored Balls or or an X video. Or, oh yeah, it's it's wild. Colored Balls, mate. Yeah, hell yeah, yeah. My dad was showing me Colored Balls videos because he he grew up with all those dudes like playing in in the, those scenes and stuff all the Sunbury festivals and all that stuff. And he was showing me this video the other night of, um, of Lobby Lloyd, like recording, like, um, colored balls. And they're all like sitting around this studio and they're all stoned off their head. And he's like, and he points out to his, his girlfriend he's with now. And he's like, Oh, check her out. That's her there. She was dating Lobby Lloyd back then or whatever. And they're all just stoned out of their mind, like falling asleep <laughs> on the couch. That's <laughs> awesome. So was your dad a Sharpie? No, nah, he was not a sharpie. He's, yeah, he's definitely uh, 
definitely not a sharpie but he was more of a like just stoner hippie guy like he played in bands like carson okay and um and, and later on he had uh the dingoes which was more uh, uh success but like um yeah carson was like the boogie a boogie blues band that they would just do these big like you know sort of like canned heat-esque sort of type jams and um yeah alongside all that Lobby Lloyd and um, Billy Thorpe and ACDC and all that stuff. That's so he grew up with awesome. all that, all those. Yeah, he grew up with all those dudes playing shows like throughout his twenties. That's amazing. That's that's the other thing that like going to to Melbourne and going to like Vicious Sloth Records and just kind of like looking at these videos, like you know, photos of Sharpies and like listening to Sharpie records and stuff, and finding out there's this whole mm. crazy culture that. I don't know, like no one I ever met outside of Melbourne had ever heard of, even other parts of Australia, no one had heard of it. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's so funny. Yeah, it's like, you know, first time I heard like Amal and Stiffers, I got them to come support Murlocs like a few years ago when like, um, you know, it was like, you know, I got them to come play with us and they were just so fanning out that my dad was in Carson because they just <laughs> religiously loved watching Sunbury and all that stuff and they're just... Yeah, as you can see, they're trying to bring back the whole Sharpie thing, which is so, you know, it's just hilarious. Someone like my dad or like, you know, anyone, but it's awesome as well at the same time. That's what I also love is that there's all these like micro scenes that kind of pop up, like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. you know, like the tiny band stuff or like all these other little like things that are just kind of like movements, it feels like art movements almost. Yeah, yeah. They all like, like Amal, for instance, were from like the South side, whereas we're all sort of from the North side of Melbourne. Um, and they're also from like interstate and stuff. So they were from a whole sort of different scene. And then once they play with Murlocs, the next minute they were just like, you know, Eric from Flightless saw them at the Murlocs gig and then like wanted to sign them. And then we brought them with us to America. And, you know, I'm always like, every time I go out to see a gig, I'm sort of just meeting new bands and mutual friends of friends, you know, that are just like, and it just amazes me. I think a lot of the time, you know, it's so easy to lose track of the scene here because there's just so much sick stuff happening all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember like, yeah. I remember hearing like at the time that all record sales were plummeting all over the world, uh, Australian domestic music sales were the only place that music sales were increasing. You know, like it feels like, <laughs> it feels like there's like a real passion for Australian music. Yeah, for sure. Like it donated to don't mean to toot our own horn but it's it's really amazing you know like especially being able to tour and play all over the world and try and go see bands or like you know pick decent supports and um you know just be trying to like keep on keep tabs on like good stuff that's happening all over the world I just come home to Melbourne then I go to the pub and I just see something that's just world class you know yeah it's just shits over shits over everything else it feels well it just feels like there's like um i don't know like this like current of of rock and roll that runs through the musical dna that's just like unlike any other place on earth where it's just like Mm -hmm. wave after wave of incredible bands are coming out and it's like and i guess it's going back to like you know the acdc your dad's band and like you know colored bobby lloyd like these this sort of foundation that was built and i guess even the easy beats before that yeah yeah hell yeah easy beats are the best like that's all just you know it's the young brothers and all that stuff it's like there's so much deep roots and at the end of the day they're all immigrants like my dad moved here from england when he was like 11 and 
you know, like similar thing with ACDC and, um, you know, all that stuff. I think it's just like this weird sort of, at the end of the day, sort of like immigrant convict, like hunger to, you know, sort of, you sort of got to like fight for your, you know, your right to, <laughs> you know, to, you know, be, because we're so far away from everything. It's like so hard to get out of Australia. And, um, you know, and once you do, I think people just go gung ho for it because, yeah, it's this definitely something going on. I don't know what it is. It's just, it's always just constantly going and mm-hmm. there's always new shit. What was the first concert you went to? Um, first concert I went to, it's hard because, you know, I grew up from baby, like going to gigs because of my dad. Yeah, totally. The first, like, I always just think of, like, the first moment where I can remember going to, like, a proper concert or whatever and being, like, you know, it's not just at the pub or whatever. It was probably, like, Ray Charles. I remember going to see Ray Charles. Dad played at this Melbourne Blues Festival thing. And um, I remember being on my mum's shoulders or my dad's shoulders and I remember Ray Charles, like, hobbling out onto the stage. I don't remember, like, any songs or anything, but I just remember being, like, Holy shit, it's a guy from Blues Brothers. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that's an awesome yeah. first show, though. Yeah, that's definitely one that I've always just been like, you know, like a real early memory of being like at a big concert and being like, well, you know, seeing like all these people go crazy for this old, old dude. What was the first kind of band you remember going to that was like kind of you pulling yourself there, like saying, I want to go and see this thing? I don't know probably been some stuff lately um well not since COVID but like you know I guess in and out of COVID like recently um oh like my my good friend's band Smarts here in Melbourne they're an awesome punk band they're real you know they have other bands like uh share same members in bands like Living Eyes and Oz Mutants and stuff like that um they've got a new band yeah Smarts who are awesome so I remember like pushing myself to go see them Cause I just love their new album. And um, yeah. So I, I think after COVID they were, they played a show in like my hometown and in, or like down in Geelong where I grew up and yeah, I remember going out of my way to go see them and they're just amazing. Cause they're, they're just all incredible players. They're all like around my age, you know, but been playing in different bands forever. And yeah, this is like a new thing they started. So probably that. Where's that band God from? Are they from Melbourne? They're from Melbourne. Okay. Yeah, they're from Campbellwell, which is like a, a suburb, a middle-class suburb. They're a band that I think, you know, obviously probably gets a lot more appreciation and, and sort of uh, reverence in Australia. But I just feel like they're one of the great sort of underappreciated rock and roll bands um, kind of after that mm. first wave. Yeah, yeah. They were all super young at the time too. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the first kind of punk concert you remember going to? Ooh. that's a that's a hard one i feel like i probably didn't go to a proper punk concert till i was like or even late shows like, yeah, what was the, shows yeah. yeah oh hmm i can't actually think was, i don't know what to really clarify as punk as such but we grew up going playing a lot of gigs at the 
the National Hotel, the Nash in Geelong, which is where we all played in bands like constantly. And I don't know, probably even thinking about like the first time I saw the OCs or something like was really raucous mm-hmm. and like really hit hit to the bone. Um, but yeah, and then other than that, just like so many just like, you know, come and gone small um, town punk bands and stuff. Um, but I think something like the OCs or something is probably something that's stuck with me. Um, Cause other than that, I think there's just, there's been a lot of them. Um, you know, I had friends bands, friends, punk bands like uh, Kremlings and stuff. There's a band called Kremlings. They were rad. Um, they put any records? Kremlings? Kremlings. Yeah. They put out a few records. Oh, they put out, put out two records. They put out one, maybe an EP and then a, a another record as well. Um, but yeah, there wasn't many copies or anything. It was pretty small time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was sort of stuff like that in the early days. I can remember seeing it that sort of dingy band room. Um, hmm. The OCs are one of the best live bands ever. Like just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Hands down. I've had to play after them twice and it's the worst slot every time. <laughs> you know, it's going to be yeah. no matter how good you do. Yeah, 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 yeah. They they go ballistic. Yeah, I remember like the first proper time I saw him. I saw him at this festival, and it was, you know, it was like their first time out, and it was like an early slot, so there wasn't that many people around. And then next time they came back, I went back to the the same pub where they played, and there was all these stories, like you know, like Stu and Gizzard saw him for the first time, and it was just like from there, just continuously took so much influence from that to start Gizzard and everything when he saw that, but like. Yeah, I remember like going to see them the time after that and they came back and it was like that first note and people were just like climbing the rafters and it was just like beers. I remember standing there and we all had pints of beer and like the first note and all the beer just like flew up in the air and stuff like that. <laughs> did, you ever, did you ever hear of the hospitals whose band before uh, doing the OCs, John Dwyer's band? Nah. They play, play, play no, I only know like Coach Whips and stuff. So this was after the Coach Whips before um the ocs he did this, this band the hospital oh, right. two records it was a two-piece and they played in toronto mm-hmm. and the opener was going on forever so they just set up on the floor and started playing in the middle of the opener set and um the promoter came, <laughs> the promoter came running over and tried to unplug the amp and john just chopped him in the head with with the uh the guitar and just cracked it on his oh <laughs> on his skull is that that <laughs> footage it's on it's on the internet somewhere there was that's the one that's that's the footage (laughs) was that the promoter i thought it was just some guy trying to like fight the drummer or something (laughs) no that's the promoter that's dan burke also if you ever seen the uh, (laughs) the jay reotard video where he beats up someone on on stage yeah 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 there's a promoter who comes out afterwards and starts screaming it's the same promoter (laughs) oh my god that poor guy why is he always copping it I don't know. He's he definitely has been the guy that like he did the first white stripe show in Toronto when they were still like, you know, just I think it was when they were still just on Italy records even. Like he's yeah. like, but you know, like champion rock and roll for a very long time, but has suffered <laughs> a, a Toronto legend. So next next time you guys come to Toronto, I have to introduce you to Dan Burke. Yeah, you got it. That's <laughs> awesome. That's <laughs> that's awesome. That's crazy shit. So <laughs> Sam Bro's automobile would play a lot, I guess. You guys put out like three, rec- three yeah. recordings, right? Four recordings? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We did like a Sam did some little first EP. It was just him and me or something, and then then we did like yeah three albums. It was Beat Boom Soul. <laughs> there was uh, it has just begun. That was probably the first one because it just began. <laughs> and then there was um, Lamb Roast Sandwich, which is just like, you know, Lamb Roast, Ambrose, and then Sandwich was Sam. <laughs> 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 and like that was our last like EP we did. And Stu from Gizzard recorded it for us and mixed it and stuff. And um, yeah, that was us like, you know, being like 16 or like 17 or something 18 and then um it was us like yeah putting that out and coming up to melbourne and um you know i also i started the murlocs at that point and then started and starting to play in king gizzard and we were playing some gigs with sam Rose and it was it was you know it was doing all right i guess but it wasn't much buzz you know gizzard was starting to get all this traction and so was murlocs as well so it just sort of felt like it just it ran its course you know We'd have been a band for like, we'd been playing together since we were like 10 or whatever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it just felt like it wasn't really going anywhere at the time. And we were just sort of invested in other stuff. So, you had all three going at the same time at one point? Mm hmm. Yeah, it all three going at one point. Yeah. And then, like, Gizzard played like Meredith Festival, which is like, you know, the be all and end all festivals for us here. And um, yeah, I remember that moment of playing that and then knowing that things were going to start taking off and, you know, we were going to be able to start playing shows interstate and doing bigger things. And yeah, Sam was just, was just feeling like it was getting a bit stale at the time. The, um, yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a sad one, really. Like, um, but it just sort of happened naturally in that way. And, and then Sam Cooper, he started playing with a bunch of other people as well and been in multiple bands and, and still is. So, um, yeah, and we recently connected, like we've been best mates forever, mm. but we recently started making music all last year in, um, or just before COVID. Yeah, I think it was, in, it was before COVID. Damn, I don't know how long ago it was. Um, we, we made a song together. Like it was, it was a song of his and then I like um, wrote some verses and so it was a bit of a duet. <laughs> and, Reunion. Um, yeah, so we've got that one track and that's sort of tucked away. And um, yeah, we'll probably try and do some more stuff for it. But uh, it's, it was supposed to go on this uh, Flightless compilation album that is yet to see the light of day. So um, yeah, hopefully that can come out soon because it's been sitting there with everyone else's songs for a while. And was it like, were all these three bands kind of playing in the same sort of scene or did they all kind of exist separately in the very beginning? Like, were they like, or were there like- Oh, no, it's all very much, yeah, it's very much the same scene, literally like supporting each other and stuff. Like I remember supporting Gizzard and stuff with Sambros a few times and things like that. Um, so yeah, like the bass player, Lucas, um, in uh, Sambros, Played in, plays in Gizzard and still does, you know, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, it was all very, and like Stu and Cook who were in Gizzard played in another band called Revolver and Sun. And so like Sam Rose and Revolver and Sun played heaps of shows together. Um, so we were all mates from like, you know, our teenage years. So by the time Gizzard started and and I started the Murlocs with like, you know, I started the Murlocs with the, the drummer that me and Sam went to high school with and um, the guitarist Callum, in Murlocs was already 
or he'd played with Sam Rose before, like got up and played guitar once or twice. And then once he joined Murlocs, I got him back in properly in Sam Rose and he was playing as well in that. So yeah, it was all very, all the same friends, same scene. It's, it's, it's so wild. Like how, you know, there's are these kind of like waves that kind of keep happening where like, there just seems like there's like a deluge of like, like a whole new crop of incredible bands that are popping up you know, in, in Melbourne or in, in Australia in general, I guess, like who'd you kind of mm. see as being part of that wave for you guys or like the band that sort of like was the precursor, like you mentioned Eddie current earlier, like, were they kind of like, mm. do you see them as being a band that kind of like kicked off or was it, or is it ultimately kind of you guys? Cause you guys are always brought up as being the band that sort of brings about this next big wave of, of garage rock or rock and roll, what have you. Yeah, I guess so. I think, we're starting to feel old now you know some of the guys and gears are having kids and i'm like 30 next year which is weird um but yeah i think growing up I, we all a few of us saw eddie current's pressuring but they sort of like were gone by the time we were like discovered them you know or like mm-hmm. were, we weren't even really old enough to be going to like proper shows unless we were like playing and somehow like allowed to be there so yeah we kind of um missed a few things that were like in their prime i'd say by the time we were playing pubs and doing all that stuff so yeah i don't know there's been plenty of stuff it's hard to sort of think about i think being down the coast we you know we played shows or like went to see saw like vasco era who were like a sort of hometown hero band from polo bay that you know, that did pretty well. And, you know, um, and also our, my, like some of my best friends were in band Frowning Clouds who were like a big influence on all of us who were like the same age as us, but like, you know, um, they started that, that band when they were like 15 or something. And then next minute they were playing big festivals and playing, doing tours with Tame Impala and stuff. And like Tame Impala was like at the same level. Um, so yeah, it was all, all sort of stem from just sort of what was around our scene, what would sort of come into town in Geelong or like, you know, going up to Melbourne, even though it was only an hour away, was, you know, rare and hard for us to go see shows because I was, you know, still not old enough or whatever, depending on what it was. Um, so, yeah, I guess it all varied. But by the time we were like coming up and playing in Melbourne frequently, sort of lots of stuff that, can't even really pinpoint what anything was a mm, big influence sort of a mixed bag of things really well that's the thing is the band is just pulling from so many different places you know like i think you know, yeah like, yeah that's it it gives it that sound i guess is the fact that you guys are all pulling different things in there yeah yeah i think um you know me being from a like blue soul sort of background and then like you know uh Joe and Gizzard or whatever is from like a big like he's had a career as being like a techno like a DJ like electronic artist mm-hmm. and then um you know Cal Callum Shortle in in Murlocs who used to be in like heavy metal bands and stuff and um yeah so it's sort of all, all over the shop really. Did you guys self release the early records like that that first ten inch? Did you guys put that out yourselves? um beach yeah yeah that was just put out and i think it was even put out on flightless records yeah i'm not sure if that that might have been the first flightless thing 
I think it's self released. Like the 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 one that yeah, goes for crazy money. I think it's a self release thing. Yeah, I think it is just self release. I think you're right. Yeah, because I remember remember that coming out. I remember like recording it and playing the show for it. Um, yeah, I remember Stu had bad gastro at that show that we played at the tote for it, and he was like throwing up and shitting all over the place for it. But um, yeah, I think that was <laughs> I think that was self release. Yeah, yeah, yeah um yeah so yeah what, and so was our first ep with Melox. that was self-released as well so, yeah i don't even kind of remember how i even got that done i think i just took it to like the local pressing plant thing here in melbourne and just printed out a bunch of cds and luckily just from again from the skating scene i have so many like amazing artistic friends that i've been able to like collaborate with with all our album artwork and other stuff like jason galea i met him through skateboarding originally and um yeah same with a lot of clips and stuff we do it sort of comes from yeah that sort of background well it feels like yeah the visuals are such a part of the band you know like it's a complete kind of vision i guess with the, the murlocs as well too like it looks like you put mm. a lot of thought into how you present the band on on like not just a sonic level yeah yeah for sure i think um all our work and stuff is pretty thought out and it's always pretty like-minded of who we work with and stuff. Even with the recent Bittersweet Demons album artwork, that's again, that's a friend I grew up with from skating again. Um, and I've known since I was like eight or nine or something, um, you know, and it's sort of just being into the same stuff, knowing them, knowing the band well enough, knowing me, you know, well enough, um, yeah, not having to like force it and you sort of just have these people that just in the same sort of mind frame of what you're going for and just get it makes things easier. It's also amazing, like how, you know, time and time again, how many cool creative people are drawn to things like, you know, punk or skateboarding, you know, just it just never ceases mm -hmm. to amaze me, like, you know, not just people in music, obviously, but like visual artists or, or filmmakers or writers or it just feels like. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, these people are marginalized and this is the place they feel accepted. Yeah, for sure. If it's accepted or just like as well admire and like, you know, wish they were a part of it, you know, or like want to hear more about it or know about it or try and like be around it, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people sort of grow up and, you know, sort of asking other people about stories of their youth, you know, think, you know, so too intimidated to try and jump into it themselves or whatever <laughs> yeah like or just you know you feel that pull to the scene and then yeah you don't feel the pull you don't have that same sense of uh i don't know whatever drives whatever madness drives people to want to get up on stage you know you have that you have that mm. drive to create but yeah you don't have the need to kind of put yourself out there in that way because it does open yourself up to a lot of other shit yeah for sure you definitely can end up in some sticky situations that's for sure but it's all a part of it well i think it's also just the ego trap you know like it just mm. you can never walk for away sure. from it in the same way you can if you're just like a visual artist yeah 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 for sure yeah i think that's a thing about being like a whole even the punk scene in general i've never been like super around it like in a sense because it just sort of you just sort of get a taste of it and then you get a bit sort of like, oh, you know, these people are just sort of like, you know, uh, even now, whatever in the last few years since like 
King Gizzard started taking off more, I'd go back to these same punk sort of venues here in Melbourne or whatever, and people would be like, come up to me and be like, no, oh, you're you and King Gizzard, eh? And I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, yeah. Sort of thought and walk off, you know, <laughs> like kind of just sort of staunch you out because it's like it's so they're also just like anti, you know, making it that everything has to be underground and but you got it this and that that's cool but then you're just drawn to that i'm sort of just like all right that's it much prefer <laughs> that than someone like you know fanning out it's funny well exactly that keeps you sane right like the fact like you know that that mm. brings you back down to earth when it, you need it like come yeah. on a great show go to a punk show it's good to be just, hated yeah good to be yeah yeah <laughs> yeah exactly you're gonna be proud to be hated sometimes yeah. like or else you just you're not standing up for anything um it's like it's like funny, like even Stu and Gizzard say sometimes, like he's like, all I, all I want to just be in life is just a, a nice guy, a, a good, nice person. I'm like, hey, man, you know, not everyone can like you. you know, it's fine. <laughs> you know, you just <laughs> sometimes it's fine to be a little hated, you know, sort of, yeah, it makes you feel normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you definitely, you know, like you have a big tour, you come off like a bunch of big personal successes. You go to a punk show and have someone tell you you ain't shit. Like it really, uh, I don't know. It, it, it definitely, uh, yeah, completes awesome. the transaction <laughs> that way. Yeah. 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 It's exactly, you don't go there to get praise from everyone. You go there for people to like charge you full price at the bar and, <laughs> and, you know, sort of hip and shoulder you as they walk past. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ambrose, this has been amazing. And anytime you want to come back on here and, and talk about Australian punk or, or, getting shouldered at punk shows please know the door is always open <laughs> yeah cheers thanks it's been fun it's been good i didn't realize how much ammo i had to talk about this stuff <laughs> thank you ambrose for coming on this show and ambrose will be back to talk about uh, gizzard to talk about the murlocs to talk about australian music whatever he wants at some point in the future it'll be a fun little chat then too but coming up tomorrow on the show, from the band Bad Religion, we are hitting the road. We're getting in the car and going for a drive, and not the after-dinner kind, because we're going to use our hands and we're going to use our minds, with Greg Graffin. That's right. Uh, Greg is in a car, and we're there for the ride with him, and we talk about nerdy punk shit. This is a this is a amazing one. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's not the longest episode because he was driving from place to place and, you know, we, we we deal with some issues. But, oh, we get deep. We talk about some stuff. Like, we, we, we talk about, uh, we, we talk about a lot of stuff. I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil it for you right now, but I think you'll be excited for this one. All right, that's it for me. Remember, as always, black lives matter. The lives of indigenous people matter. We need to protect trans kids and we need to help trans people protect themselves. There needs to be a stop of hate and violence towards Asian people and towards people of different faiths. There just needs to be uh, a stop to all this hateful bullshit. This is in politics. This is just human rights. These are just people trying to be free, just trying to be who they are. So get involved with organizations, get yourself educated, see what's going on in the world, see where you can uh, potentially lend support or lend help or do something, bring about some change, you know? We got to fuck all this fascist shit and get it out of our lives, you know? Like, fuck these Nazis. Fuck all that stuff. Like, it, it's just... Ain't no room. Ain't no room in the small, small world. 
for them and their hate, to paraphrase the great DBS. Uh, go ahead and do something creative for yourself. You know, start start drawing, start a band, start a fans. You never know where it could take you. You never know. You know, you might might be playing harmonica in a, in a band with your friends, and then next thing you know, you're putting out like 12 live records and two new LPs in a few short months. I'm envious of Ambrose's drive, man. Like, I wish I could put out that much stuff. Holy jeez, that's incredible. But, you know, it starts by doing something creative. So just go and try something. Do something. Sign your organ donor cards, because by the time they come looking for those organs, you do not need them. You say, take this shit out of my dead-ass body and, and just deal with it. Give it to someone else. Because it can give someone else the gift of life, you know? So try it <laughs> well it's not really a try situation it's more like a do or do not there is no try but sign that card speaking of things that you can try though try meditating maybe it'll work i try it now and i and i really do find it has helped me i should probably even do it more i think it'll help me more oh my gosh this could be like a complete reorientation maybe this thing will be turned out a meditator and we'll just switch it and it'll just be all about meditating from now on nah that's not gonna happen that is not gonna happen all right, stay safe, and uh, I will see you on the next episode. I love you. Thanks for listening. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.